You're listening to DraftKings Network. To me, maybe you could say the legal definition of tampering would include that, but to me, no way. It's not tampering. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for being with me. I hope to uh, give you a unique perspective and insight on the business of sports in ways that you can't find anywhere else. That's what this pod's all about. Hope you enjoy this unique look at sports. Hope you enjoy it enough to share with a friend. Give us comments if you would. We're produced by Jack Connell, musical producer. The music you hear under us is my son, musical producer Sam Brandt. Of course, we are sponsored, as always, by DraftKings. This is a potpourri week and the Brant's Rants edition of the Business of Sports. I'm going to touch on a few different sports and uh, not really more than one NFL item. Sometimes this podcast, as you know, and many of you like, is very NFL-centric. The business of pro football is my expertise more than anything else, but I do like to veer into other areas that catch my attention, and you'll hear some of those today. But let's start with the NFL, a little item that appeared over the last week that I have some thoughts on, and I kind of think is a comical item. And uh, I know that people out there don't think it's that comical, but I do. So here it is. A report comes out that the Washington Commanders, yes, you know the Commanders, still owned by Mr. Snyder, That probably won't last much longer. I'll believe it when I see it, but it appears to be happening. Well, the Washington Commanders a year ago, or during the year maybe, reached out to a quarterback who hasn't played for a few years named Andrew Luck. And this has drawn a reaction. First of all, a media reaction. But the more interesting reaction has come from Colts owner Jim Irsay who I think tweeted, I don't know exactly what he tweeted because I can't follow his tweets. He blocked me years ago, uh, who tweeted out something about, look at this and maybe I want compensation. You know, you get compensation when there's a tampering charge as the Eagles and the Cardinals worked out a couple weeks ago. But come on, are you kidding me? They're not going to get compensation for gauging the temperature of Andrew Luck to come back and play for, of all places, the Washington Commanders. I'll get to that in a minute. But Jim Irsay, is he barking for uh, trying to start a campaign for getting some compensation because the Washington Commanders, whether they actually reached Andrew Luck or reached someone associated with Andrew Luck or reached Oliver Luck or reached agents that used to represent Andrew Luck, and just sort of took a temperature on whether Andrew Luck would want to play again? Come on. That's, to me, maybe you could say the legal definition of tampering would include that. But to me, no way. It's not tampering. Especially for a guy that's been on the reserve retired list forever. For for people that don't know, a player retires. He still is property of the team unless the team decides to release him. And that team has him on a reserve retired list. So if he were to play again, you would have to start with that team to take him off reserve retired to put him on active. 
And if he was going to be traded, he'd be off reserve retired, then active, then traded for whatever compensation can come from that. But this isn't one of those situations. And now we get to my feelings on why it's not that situation. Of all the quarterbacks in recent memory to retire, I said this at the time Andrew Andrew Luck walked away. Of all the recent quarterbacks to retire, this is the last one that I would think would ever come back. This is the last. Of all the quarterbacks to recently retire, this guy's not coming back. Brady came back. Favre came back. Maybe Rivers thought about coming back. Maybe Eli or Peyton thought about I mean, listen, this guy was never coming back. Now, I stake my uh, stake in the ground there. Andrew Luck wasn't coming back. Andrew Luck is, was different, different. And I said at the time, life is bigger than football for Andrew Luck. Always has been. Here's a story. I was at a Stanford reunion. I'm another Andrew that went to Stanford like him. And I was there for a reunion. I go to the student union and I'm ordering some food. And I look over about 20 yards away. There's a kid hunched over his computer, books everywhere, slurping some kind of pizza or something he was eating, a burrito maybe. And I'm like, wait a minute, I said to my friend, that's Andrew Luck. And at that time, he was scheduled to be the first pick, not a first round pick, first overall pick in the, in the draft. And I believe that was 2011. And what he did that year with being the number one overall pick in the draft projected, he said, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'd rather stay in Palo Alto and study than go to the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte. Not not a lot of people remember this. Andrew Luck turned down being the number one pick in the draft and stayed at Stanford. That year, Carolina Panthers took Cam Newton. The next year, Andrew Luck was the number one pick in the draft to the Indianapolis Colts. But in 2011, it was Cam Newton. Andrew Luck turned that down. Cam Newton would have been second or third, whatever. Andrew Luck goes the next year. And of course, he retired a few years ago. He's not coming back. I mean, Andrew Luck, he's got a baby or maybe two. He loves to travel. He loves projects outside of football. He's slimmed down. I saw him at at the a game I went to last year. This is a special kind of guy. And I say it again, football is so much, uh, there's so much more to life than football for Andrew Luck. And this is true with some people, but the report just made me laugh. First of all, the Jim Irsay talking about maybe I could get some compensation for tampering. No, but more importantly, Andrew Luck is not coming back. You know, you can you can flag this if he ever does. There's no way. Everything I know about Andrew, I've known his dad forever. I was general manager of the Barcelona Dragons. He was general manager of the Frankfurt Galaxy. We've known each other forever, back in the 1991. And I'm, I remember Andrew Luck as a little kid running around. You know, listen, Andrew Luck is done with football. This cute little item that the Washington Commanders reached out. Why not? But he's not coming back, (laughs) period. Okay, next item. We're going to leave football. That's it. That's it for NFL. Let's go to a different kind of football. Lionel Messi. 
you know, last week they came up, I talked about this, the top 10 highest paid athletes worldwide, five had Middle Eastern money behind them. Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe, Messi, and the two live golfers, Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. Uh, the reason why Messi and Mbappe were on the list because PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, is owned by the Qatari Sports Investment Fund. And of course, Cristiano Ronaldo's on the list because he signed with a Saudi team, Al Nasser, for anywhere from, who knows, 100 to $200 million a year. Well, Lionel Messi says, hold my beer. Reports are he's signing with another Saudi team after these this year for something like $386 million a year. I mean, I, I, could, I thought it was a typo. Now, again, nothing's happened yet. This is just a report. But $386 million a year. There are only a handful of athletes in this country, a handful, that have made $386 million in their careers. In their careers. So I'm looking at this number like, whoa, is that right? Well, listen, PSG is going to try to keep Messi but not when you're talking about that number. And PSG's contract runs out, by the way, on June 30th. And the report is not only are they going to sign Messi, this Al Halji, I forget the name of another club in Saudi Arabia, they're going to sign a couple of his Barca teammates from way back to come along with him. So if this happens, we're going to have the two highest paid team sport athletes by far in the history of the world playing soccer in Saudi Arabia next year. Ronaldo for who knows, 200 million a year, Messi for 380 million a year. Are you kidding me? These kind of numbers just don't don't make sense. But so what? But then you look at Saudi Arabia. How are they going to get those guys overpay by a 100 miles? How is Qatar going to get the World Cup overpay by 100 miles? And that's what's happening. Now, this brings up the discussion about sports washing, which is sort of wiping away the human rights abuses of these countries by signing athletes and sports is fun and sports is something people get excited about. I guess I look at it as yes, yes. But the way sports business has grown, I'm not sure we can get into sanctimonious debate about this. Sports money comes from a lot of places. I mean, there's Saudi money in the EPL. There's Saudi money in Formula One. It hasn't come to the NFL or NBA, but we don't know. We don't know the background of some of the private equity money that comes into these sports. We've heard about bad behavior by some of these high finance guys. But listen, it's unfortunate that what goes on in Saudi Arabia or Qatar is swept under the rug when we have these big headlines. But I don't get too exercised about it because I just realize how big sports is right now. This is not your father's, your grandfather's sports. Follow the money. Big business everywhere. Sports is much more business than sport. And when players, when leagues, when teams, when entities like golf have an opportunity to get better resources, they will do it. They will do it. You know, players will uh, look about basketball players, women and men, the places they go. You would think I wouldn't go play there. Well, the money's there. That's why they go there. And they can't get in the NBA, some of these male players. So they go where the money is. 
And they go to places like Afghanistan and they go to places like you wouldn't want to go. But they go. Russia, Ukraine. I mean, it happens. China. So this is where we are in sports. Again, people want to get triggered by Saudi Arabian money in sports. Go ahead. I get it. I understand it. But that's where we are. Okay. So Messi. Rumors are when his contract expires June 30th, he will sign the biggest contract in the history of sports, and it's not even close. Again, if you're talking about $380 million a year, again, you can count on one hand probably the team sport athletes in this country that have made $380 million in their careers. I'm not sure there's an NFL player that has done that. Okay, let's move to hockey. The draft was last night. I'm not a hockey fan. I'm not a hockey follower, but I've heard of this new phenom, Connor Bedard. Number one pick, and guess who got him? The Chicago Blackhawks. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, the draft, as we know in the NFL, we know in the NBA, the bigger drafts in terms of publicity, it's all about hope, right? You're selling hope. You're selling this kid is the future. Let's get excited about him. You don't have a lot to get excited about, especially teams at the top of the draft, don't have much to get excited about. Let's do it. These are the guys. Um, What is interesting about the drafting of Connor Bedard last night by the Blackhawks is within 90 minutes of the draft, drafting him, Sportico reported that there were 500 season ticket packages sold. Now, 500 doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a season ticket base of a few thousand people, 500's a lot. A lot. Oh, my God. That's hope, right? And by the way, this wasn't the draft. This is the lottery. But, of course, you get the number one pick in the lottery. You're going to take the best player. This kid's by far and away the best player. So it's a matter of time for whenever the draft is that they draft Connor Bedard. So good on the Blackhawks for getting that. And now we have hope. Hope in hockey in Chicago. 500 season ticket packages. That's a lot of money. But the bigger thing is the buzz, the interest level, the relevance of the Chicago Blackhawks will go way up because everyone wants to see the new phenomenon. This will happen with Webb and Yama and whoever gets the top lottery pick in the NBA draft. We'll know that next week. But this is what happens. This is where we are. We've got this unbelievable uh, draft hope idea. Everyone loves hope. So kudos to the Chicago Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks fan base. They've got the guy. It's only a matter of time. Becomes a Blackhawk officially. 500 season ticket packages in the first 90 minutes. That will only increase. Okay. And the last thing I want to talk about is sports betting. Sunday, this coming Sunday, May 14th, will be the five-year anniversary, five years, of the Supreme Court case that struck down PASPA. Now, again, PASPA was the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act. PASPA was disallowing, prohibiting states, besides Nevada, which was grandfathered in, from implementing sports betting. PASPA was ruled by the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, to be unconstitutional. And I say this all the time. This case in the New Jersey state case, this was, again, New Jersey trying to implement sports betting, did not legalize sports betting. What it did was the state's rights case allowed states to implement sports betting. And five years later, 
we're at something like 33 out of 50 states, including the District of Columbia, having legalized sports betting. It has been a revolution. People against it were the NCAA, the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA. They fought in court for seven long years. They lost, but it's been a revenue boon since they won. And as we know, every league, every team has embraced, not just accepted, but embraced sports betting, except for allowing the athletes to do it. We saw Calvin Ridley get dinged for an entire year for making some parlor bets. And just a couple weeks ago, six Detroit Lions implicated in sports betting. Some were released. Some were suspended six months or six games. So where are we? Well, now we'll talk about it, not from a professional sports angle, but from college. We had this disturbing report last week. The Alabama baseball coach, right? When have we ever talked about a college baseball coach? We're doing it here because he was fired amid a lot of suspicions about, what were these suspicions about? Some bets made in Ohio um, several state commissions actually shut down wagering on Alabama baseball games. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> so again, let's unpack this. An Alabama baseball coach was fired last week. A bunch of suspicious bets were placed in Ohio, okay, on an Alabama game, like against LSU. And then it got out. This was U.S. Integrity. It was kind of a uh, sport radar. They look at for any flagging bets that seem out of whack, and they found him. And then it comes back to this Alabama baseball coach. We don't know the whole story, but we know he's gone. So something went down that was not kosher with this guy. So Alabama baseball becomes in the news. They fired the coach. The coach is involved in some scheme, we think. And not only Ohio, but in Alabama, but other state commissions shut down betting on Alabama baseball. Now Iowa has entered the chat, Okay. Iowa and Iowa State. So here's the story. The Iowa Gaming Commission, okay, they're the regulator, the operator for sports betting in Iowa. They're investing, investigating, and this is three words that you're like, wait, what? Potential criminal conduct related to wagering at both Iowa and Iowa State. And they don't give the names, but they say 26 student athletes are involved, along with the University of Iowa uh, administrative official in, in the athletic department. Across all men's sports, including baseball, football, basketball, track and field, and wrestling. That's 26 between Iowa and Iowa State. Now, Iowa State has confirmed 15 student athletes are potentially implicated so that means Iowa's got 11 of the 26 and Iowa State has 15. And there's another report that four Iowa baseball players have been suspended. So wait a minute. We got last week, we got the Alabama baseball coach, something going on there, nefarious with his giving out information about Alabama baseball games that got in Ohio that got people looking into this. Now what's being flagged is some suspicious activity by 26 athletes at Iowa and Iowa State. Interesting. I mean, there's no relation between these two schools, but it just seems like there's some thread here of connection. What's going on? Well, I think just as the intersection of NIL and college sports kind of hit us and Wild West and how do we regulate this, 
we're five years removed now from the statute, but we're still figuring this out. We've got, you know, the intersection of amateur sports. And again, I know people think it's not amateur, but it's amateur and legalized gambling. And by the way, it's legal in Alabama, legal in Iowa. This is ripe for entanglement. And maybe there have been a lot of stories that we just haven't heard about up until now with the gambling going on for years. But, oh, my God, what is going on here? What's going to happen to these Iowa athletes? What's going to happen to the administration? What's the larger picture like for betting on sports games, especially NCAA? The NCAA has tried to sort of be a little hands off here. Again, athletes are not allowed to bet, just like in the pros. And there are all these rules about not going into casino. But wait a minute, what's going on here? And the bigger problem is with pro athletes that make a lot of money or at least some money, they're being prone to fixing games is not as, I guess, dire as it would be for college athletes. That despite NIL, especially when you're talking about sports like wrestling and baseball and track, they're not going to make a lot of money at NIL for those. They need money. And what a better way to make money than to take a lot of money for having a certain result. This is what everyone fears about sports gambling. That, I mean, at its worst, a syndicate could get involved or an organized crime unit and say, I'll pay you X, make sure the spread is this, make sure you lose this game, make sure you lose by two runs or you lose by four points or you lose by a touchdown. All these things come into play when we start talking about this. Like, wait a minute, what is going on here? So let's flag this. I'll come back to it in future podcasts. But wow, University of Iowa and Iowa State are under the gun right now with for their athletes doing, wait, potential criminal conduct. This is not just maybe making a, a better final four bracket, potential criminal. What could be criminal? Well, criminal could be match fixing. Criminal could be point shaving. Criminal could be, you know, fraud. We'll find out. A lot to find out there. Okay. And my last point, just before we go, NBA playoffs. I'm an NBA playoffs fan. I don't watch the NBA during the season, but I'm watching. And that game last night, Warriors-Lakers got me like, whoa. I mean, you had the best shooter in the history of the sport, best shooter on the planet, Steph Curry. And you had the most iconic player of our generation in any sport, LeBron James, second best player of all time in the same game, in a, in a high-level contest. And then out of nowhere, this new young player for the Lakers emerges, Lonnie Walker IV. And like, whoa, he's in the biggest stage possible. He's playing against Steph frickin' Curry. He's playing alongside LeBron frickin' James. And look what he's doing. He is poised. He's making shots. He's hitting shots over Steph Curry. I'm like, whoa. And then I realized this, I couldn't sleep. I'm like, this is what sports is all about. We love this stuff. A no-name underdog comes out, hasn't played much, finds his spotlight, gets some confidence, and helps them win a huge game in the playoffs. Loved it. Loved it. I'll remember the Lonnie Walker game maybe as long as I live. And I hope people who watched it feel the same. Yes, it's romantic. Yes, it's, you know, it's storybook. That's what we want. That's what we love about sports. We love the underdogs. We love the stories. We love the March Madness Cinderella's. This is where we are. I watched. And then on a personal level, uh, as Jack 
my producer as well. I'm a huge Sixers fan. I've followed them since Sam Hinkie was there. He was a neighbor of mine when I moved to Philadelphia. I got to know him and the whole process and bringing out Joel Embiid and then the trade of Daryl Morey to give up Ben Simmons, who was never going to play for him again, and somehow come away with James Harden. The Sixers are swept right now without James Harden. The Sixers have a chance to win this with James Harden. 2-2, fifth game tonight. So I'm into it. Uh, Watch my Sixers. Watch James Harden. Uh, Again, maybe not the most likable guy out there, but man, can this dude play still after all these years and all that money. All right. That'll do it, guys, for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. Sports Business League meets every Wednesday night. I do videos every week. So you can sign up. Go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL, andrew-brandt.com slash SBL. The free newsletter, if you're not getting it, just go to andrew-brandt.com, sign up. Numbers are growing. Jump in every week. I give out some good stuff. My column at Sports Illustrated, and then, uh, of course, this podcast. Some I enjoy doing, something, again, I hope is unique for all of you listening. Share it with a friend. Give us a rating if you would. Appreciate any comments that you could give us. Thanks so much. Thanks to producer Jack Connell. Of course, my son, Sam Brandt, with the music you hear below us. And thanks to you for listening and investing in this podcast. A quick 30-minute look at the business of sports every week from my viewpoint. Have a great week, everyone. I'll see you next week on the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. 